NFT. NFT. NFTs. NFTs. Non-fungible tokens or NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is Zenchats. I am Zeneca. Let's talk NFTs. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Zen Chats. I'm Zeneca, and I'm here with my friend Phrase of the Phrase Boards Project, of many other things. We're going to get into his history, um, his project, his future, his ideas on the space. We were just chatting before the show on a whole bunch of stuff, work-life balance, royalties. There's a lot we can we can chat about. But before we get into that, uh, welcome to the show. How are you? How's your day going? I'm honored to be on. I'm a big fan of the show. And uh, I'm doing great. It's been a good day. I just ran and jumped in puddles with the kiddos for a couple. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, killed an hour right before this, which is great. I thought you were going to say I just ran a half marathon or something. (laughs) But uh, jumping in puddles, I'm a biker, not a runner. Yeah, I mean, man, whatever you can do to get energy out with the kiddos is it's a it's a daily struggle. It's a daily struggle. Yeah. So, I was actually yeah. thinking about this yesterday. We're immediately off topic, but that's how this goes sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I was chatting to someone who has kids and is in this Web3 space. And I was like, I don't know how they do it. Like I struggle and I'm b- burnt out and tired and I don't have kids. And, you know, just the, the fact that people can be on top and like stay on top of projects and with, with one kid, two kids, five, like it's crazy. So just hats off to you just, just for starters. Oh, honestly, I think... One thing, so I was probably a chronic pr- procrastinator um, pre-kids. And the one thing having kids does is forces you to utilize your time well. Mm. So you do get the same amount of stuff done in a day, but it's like you look for moments. You look for they're occupied for three minutes. I can get that email done. Like it is, right. it is you get really good at, at juggling in that, in that balance. So yeah, it's and I have a partner who is just um I mean she's she's stay at home mom, full time mom, and she is very patient while I'm like, Oh, there's something <laughs> minting or uh, you know, there's a space starting right now and I gotta jump on it. Yeah. Um I am missing bedtime right now and I'm gonna pay for it later, but the whole bedtime routine right now, yeah. 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 Well yeah. I appreciate you missing bedtime to be here with us. Um Man, it's my pleasure. It's my all pleasure. Right. Let's um let's dig into I guess I always like to ask of uh people's backstories and like their origin story. How did you what did you do before this whole NFT web3 space like pre NFTs? Um and then how did you <laughs> learn about NFTs and what got you here? How did you get into this space? Um good question. I haven't had a real job in like at least 12 years. I got laid off from my last job about 12 years ago. And instead of applying for a new job, it's like, I think I want to be an artist. And credit to my wife came home and said that. And she was like, okay, but like, how are we going to make money? It's like, I got a plan. I'm going to. Fair question. I'm gonna, it's a very <laughs> fair question. Um, set up a website my first year in 2012, did a piece of day art project and ended up selling out every piece I made. It was just ink on canvas at that point and just selling stuff mm-hmm. online. And first year was fun. It was grueling to to do like a one of one every day. Um, yeah. But then switched to one a week and I was doing letterpress prints for uh, two and a half years after that. And that was a, a really fun ride. Like ended up uh, Gary Vaynerchuk helped me launch that project. Like the very first piece we did that that year was with him. Got commissioned by Tony Robbins and did album covers for or album work for like Mraz and and book covers for Hank Green. Like it really just 
leaning into creating art and and selling mm-hmm. it online like that that became my identity and that's what I did basically up until 2015 got proper burned out on making art and at the time my wife was had a baking business for some coffee shops that were opening up and she had grown from one to three locations and was like I'm dying here so I was like I put all the art stuff on hold and became a baker with her in the middle of the night. That's awesome. We we went from three to 14 locations and hired a bunch of employees. And uh, I mean, we were slinging like a thousand pastries a day, like ludicrous. The hardest I've ever worked in my life was those midnight to 6 a.m. shifts with her. But it was also some of the most fun. And then we had kids realized that was not compatible with that schedule. I stepped I had started a design agency with a friend of mine. We did a Kickstarter for nothing, which was fun. It kind of put us on the map. And we're doing that for a couple of years until the NFT space. Like, I, w- I was working on a big mural project, and a friend of mine, um, his brother, co-founded Catalog.Works, um, the music platform, and was just just killing it in the NFT, like in the NFT space. And I was hearing stories about how much fun they were having and started trading crypto. NFTs were moving way too fast for me. I was like, I was like, I I can't even, I don't have time to to do this right now. Started dabbling in crypto, got really lucky, um, trading, trading crypto and minted, uh, a couple things. But then the first big mint, the first thing that I was like, okay, like, this is this is big. I think this is the one. Um, I was actually going for Vayner's V Friends because I've been a Vaynerchuk fan forever. Missed out on that because PayPal held my funds transferring from bank Oof. account to bank account. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I said if there's ever if I ever have this much conviction in another project, I'm going all in. And when Kevin Rose announced that. Proof was going to mint. I said, "This is the one." Like, I'm, I'm going to scrap, scrap some, some fiat together and and go for it. And um, a buddy and I actually pulled together some ETH. We thought we would be able to get one pass together, and just by the way things went on Mint Day, we ended up scooping two, and have held two ever since. So that was, and Proof as a community has just been. Uh, there are a few greater like entrance paths to, to the space yeah. than Proof. So. Um, I've, I've spoken to a few people recently where Proof was like either their first first NFT or just like their first major NFT and major community they were part of. And it's it's really brought in so many tremendous people and minds. Yeah. It's been incredible. I mean, it's how I got to know your – it's it's how I got to know Zen Academy. Uh, it's how I got to know Zen FT and so many of the other collaborators I've had the yeah. opportunity to work with, which is great. So. Something you mentioned about how uh, you had so much conviction in v- Gary and V friends and missed it, and then said if you never can, if you ever have that opportunity again, you're not gonna. I'm exactly the same, except I missed it again. <laughs> so I missed V friends. I've been watching, like I watched Gary's wine YouTube videos 15 yes. years ago, and like I, yes. I remember I watched his motivation videos, and then as like as he was dropping V friends, it was like I was just getting into the NFT space, and like I didn't quite fully get it, and the mint price was pretty high. It was like I think Dutch mm-hmm. auction starting at high prices. And I, I just sort of like put it out of my mind. I was like, I'm never going to be able to afford that. I don't get it. And uh, yeah, obviously just it immediately rocketed in price and I regretted it ever since. And I was like, <laughs> all right, if that ever happens again, like I, that was my biggest regret in the space for a long time. 
And then mm-hmm. Kevin comes along and releases the proof pass. And I don't know how I missed it. Like it was so clear as day. I was listening to Modern Finance and then I listened to right. every episode of Proof. I was there, but I, I justify it and I, I um, forgive myself by it launched like not long after I launched Zen Academy in the 333. Yep. So I was like, I was probably just busy on that. You were head and down it wasn't, focused, totally. Hopefully, yeah. And so I was just like not minting, not trading, not flipping. And then, you know, the price just kept going up and up and up. And I was like, all right, I should, I'm going to wait for a dip. And then it just never really happened. So I bought in at like 55 ETH. And obviously, I mean, that worked out really well. Uh, I bought in before Moonbirds. But uh, yeah, this, that was my largest regret. Not minting proof, but yeah. It was so hard. When, <sighs> when we had two passes, I was like 8.6 was the I was like, if I can sell one of these for 8.6 good God, I'm going to be riding free. And, and it mm. all, it screamed past it so fast. I was like, mm, now I'm just, let's see what happens. <laughs> this is nuts. Um, but I think you've done okay. I think anyone can I've say. Done all right. Yeah. No, no <laughs> one's shedding a tear for me. <laughs> uh, so you, you said you had two passes. You no longer have the two passes. Is that correct? I do. You, I do. Oh, you yeah. do still have both. So, okay. So, so all right. The tee up, I, I, I understand the tee up, um, so we did leverage one pass for Phraseboard, but my whole mm-hmm. goal with Phraseboard was I just want to sell enough access passes to scoop another proof pass, and mm. and and that's kind of my break even. And if I can do that, um, so so for a time we did hold three. I was hoping there'd be some sort of drop or something while we had three, but but alas, uh, such the, is the game, life. Such is life. Um, but the game ended up getting getting solved, uh, and we just transferred the pass. About a week and a half ago, to the winning, to the winning team. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, let's dig into this. Uh, you, you mentioned a game and phraseboard. What is phraseboard? It's fascinating. Like I know what it is, and it's really, really cool. And you gave away a proof pass, which is crazy. Um, yeah, what is it? Where did the idea come from? How did it go? Yeah. So the the, the realization when those proof passes like really grew in value, I knew that I could just take that and sell it. Um, and it, it, especially when they were up around, good God, like the high heights they got to hundred, um, yeah, yeah hundred, 130 or so. Like that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of cash. Yeah. But, um, I was looking at it around, around the time they were 30. I was like, man, this is pretty significant and I could sell it, but I, I had this idea for a contest and I had run a previous project called steal this NFT. This was my first attempt at anything NFT related, and it was just a basic, I set up a wallet, took the seed phrase, worked that into a piece, turned it into an NFT, dropped into the wallet and said, I'm never going to sell this. But if you can crack the piece, you can break in mm. and get it. And that was so much fun. Um, it ended up getting cracked in six days by a guy out of, I believe, New Zealand and um, goes by the name Silver Anth. And I know that's his name because he was also on the winning team for Phraseboard. But we'll, we'll, wow, <laughs> which is nuts, which is nuts. But, yeah. um, so I, I basically thought if I use this as kind of like a carrot to dangle at the end of this contest, I can direct that attention, um, both towards me because I was, you know, a new nobody in the space and, Along the way, lined up with 20 different collaborators, you were gracious enough to be one of them and shine that attention, move that spotlight from creator to creator to creator to do amazing things. And I've done a lot of kind of collaborative work with multiple creators in the past. Um, and I, I love being able to 
kind of give attention to art that I like and creators that I like. And this felt like a, it felt like a worthy cause to where it was like, even if I break even or worst case, even if I, I lose the proof pass, um, if I've given people something that's like a really good experience and a lot of fun, uh, it'll be worth it. So phrase board in a nutshell was an NFT treasure hunt where all the clues were scattered amongst the NFT space with the help of 20 different collaborators. And like you said, at the very end, there was a, a proof pass as the grand prize. But beyond that, the, uh, thanks to the first collaborator to join, Mr. Mr. Trey Ratcliffe, every single clue along the hunt, and there were 25 different questions on that hunt, uh, had a different prize. Most of them were supplied by the collaborators that we worked with. So that was that was phrase board. That was phrase board. It ran from yeah. June. It ran from June to the end of July. And and here we are. Here we are. Yeah. It's such an epic idea. And I just love the the thought behind it, the way to sort of shine that spotlight on multiple communities and engage the community in this long treasure hunt. I think that's fun. Uh how I guess how did it work in terms of like if someone wanted to play the game? Did they sure. need to to mint a token? Um, what were the mechanics like that? Or could anyone enter? Uh, great question. So we actually had two games, one that was entirely free to play. People didn't need to do anything. Uh, that one had a grand prize of 7.77 ETH, and that was just to let people test the waters and see how the game worked. The way the game functioned was I took every potential seed phrase word. Uh, it's 2,048 words, the BIP 39 word list. Mm-hmm. Uh, took all those words, hand drew them. It's actually behind me, but you can't really see it. Uh, I'll dr- I'll drop a link or something so we can so people can take a look at the game yeah. board. And each day we unveiled a different question, and through those questions, they would move around the game board and then either land on the answer or go to a collaborator's name, of which they would have to go try and find the word that was hidden somewhere in their collection. So for the game for the proof pass. We actually did um, access passes, which was kind of controversial because we did no uh, secondary sales and no transfers on those passes. And the reason we did that on the first game, we are not doing that again. Uh, the reason we did that on the first, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason we did that on the first game was I did since the treasure hunt was such a long haul. I didn't want um, I wanted it to be like kind of high stakes to play like. If if you're showing up and you're going to play the game, like I only mm. wanted people there that that wanted to be there, that wanted to play. I didn't want uh, someone who had any incentive to try and game the system or like know they could sell their pass if if they weren't loving it. Like I really wanted commitment from the people that were playing. And uh, one of the things we learned was 25 questions. I mean, it was a month of puzzles that were. In, in many cases, hours or days to complete, like it was a grind. It I wanted it to yeah. be like pretty lengthy, but man, on both end, like on our end, creating the stuff and, and the people solving, like it was a, it was a truly, uh, Herculean effort that they went through to, to solve all this. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to win a proof pass though, it's like a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars, depending on the price at the time, maybe even more. It, it reached higher at one point. Uh, you want that to be a Herculean task and like that's got to be a tough slog. True, but, true. But the, yeah. the downside of that was um, the the hurdles to get to the collaborators was like we had to make them higher and higher because we had like 
actual professional puzzle solvers in in the game, which just I didn't even know that was a profession. Like I was just gonna say, that's a crazy yeah. Uh, the the winning team, although, uh, yeah, uh, they're called Le- Leah. Uh, this girl from Greece was talking to her after the, the hunt, and she. It's like, I haven't had a real job in three years. I just solved crypto puzzles. Sole source of income. It's like, wow. Yeah. So I didn't really That's know what crazy I was up that, against. <laughs> it's crazy that uh, there's enough crypto puzzles that for people to solve to make a living out of. Dude, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I had no idea. And um, the, the problem or the challenge with that was you had a few dedicated people who were just like, I mean, they had amazing tool the the tools that they built to try and help solve this uh not in like a, a cheating like bot or brute force way we did have some of that that we had to squash not from the serious players but um just image lookup like ai tools and things like that to try and help them navigate the board quickly uh they had more sophisticated tools to solve the puzzles than i had to actually like craft i was just like yeah an excel spreadsheet and was just like circling stuff so it was pretty amazing to see, but the ba- <laughs> the balance between pro puzzle solvers to make things that would like keep them sustained and the casual people that just wanted to like a fun experience and to be introduced to new uh, yeah. projects and things like that. That was a that was a tricky bit to or tricky yeah. line to kind of walk. So yeah, yeah, because I guess the casual people they just, they would absolutely not stand a chance against the professionals. So it, how much and, fun and is got it when you're not going to win? Totally, yeah, totally. So yeah. the, and the burnout was real uh, across the board. I mean, around day 16 or so. And to know you still had nine or 10 days of puzzles was like, okay, like we can, we can do this. <laughs> we can do this. But, yeah. but I think pe- people ended up having a good time. I think for the most part, people had a really good time. Um, do you know how many, we, uh, how many teams were participating in it or how many people were trying to solve it? Yeah. So of the blue game, we actually only minted out like 500 passes or so so it was Mm -hmm. far less than we thought but because of the lack of secondary and all that i think um i think that was i think that was fair we had it was hard to get an accurate count of like how many guesses there were just because so many bots were set up um especially on the red game to brute force we had like over a million guesses logged and i know we didn't have that we didn't have that many people (laughs) play so um yeah yeah, and and we could see like the active guess count as the days drew on, uh, declined every single day just because people got burnt out or things got really hard or yeah. if they got stuck, they usually wouldn't come back. So we, man, we, we learned, we learned a ton. It was the, the primary teams, like I would say there were four or five teams of like four or five people. The winning team was a team of six. And in terms of individuals, like we had four or 500 people that were like seriously playing throughout the game. So yeah, um, that's still a lot. It like, was a decent. It felt like a decent number, especially during the bear market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I think I think people at that time it was the beginning of the bear market. People wanted a distraction, mm. and so yeah. I think it was a welcome distraction for a while. And um, then real life kicked in for a lot of people. So that's, yeah, yeah. I think once they realized, like, there was one team, the winning team, um, just dominated. They were the first to solve uh, the majority of the puzzles, and it kind of became clear, like. And like mm. this is their game. Everyone else is just kind of playing in it. So yeah, um, yeah. So that was one of the things we really wanted to address moving forward. Like did did not want to create just another like impossibly tough puzzle or anything like that. Like we learned. Like luckily, um, we learned a lot in this first round, and 
the beauty of the space is you can adapt and modify quickly and and take off and try different things. So it's what I'm setting out to do in the next <laughs> Well, yes, it sounds like this is teed up perfectly for what's coming next. It sounds like you're very much working towards, is it Phraseboard 2 or another game or another idea in this area? What's so next? we we lovingly referred to it for a while as, as version 2 and... Um, the emphasis or the focus is really not on another treasure hunt. Like there will be another treasure hunt as a piece of it, but I, the, the part that really lights me up, the part that, um, I wanted to amplify and, and really lean into was creating something that really gives people artist discovery, like chances for, to stumble across artists they wouldn't have found otherwise. And to give artists both emerging, underrepresented and even established, um, just a different spotlight, a different stage, a different way to present their work. And we, while we finished the clues on the first phrase board, we immediately switched gears and started going, okay, like, what have we learned from this? What can we do? Like, one of the biggest things was uh, tradability. So we wanted to make something that was collectible, tradable, um, but still give it the same utility to where it's like, if you hold this new thing, you have access to whatever games we put out. If it's another treasure hunt or... Uh, I can say this this new collection is based around we're still anchoring to that that BIP 39 word list and every single one of those words is in essence going to be its own NFT. Uh, so it's going to be this kind of card collection. How much of this have I showed? So this is where we get to where I'm like, I don't think I've showed you maybe some. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've seen seen much of this or heard about much of this. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so, okay. So, um, I'm trying to think of how much I can get into on air, and I'm sure I'm, I'm right. sure I will so, show you some stuff off air here. But uh, I mean, whatever. I'll be I'll, I'll I'll be as open as I can about this. the The big thing is, um, think of it as a trading card collection, and every single card is going to be based on a word or two from that word list, and then. Think of that basically as a blank canvas to where they're all going to start as individual cards. But as time goes on, I've connected with all the artists that we worked with on round one. Hope you'll join us again for, for this Absolutely. new project. And um, I my goal is, since there's 2,000 cards, I'm going to do 500 pieces myself. And then the other 1,500 I want to reserve for other artists. And... Uh, have already approached a few. So, so we have like Rachel Ryle who did NFT Rex. If you've seen mm -hmm. her collection yeah. on Super Rare, um, so dinosaur is one of the seed phrase words. She has claimed that word, and that's awesome. When that when that card comes out, can I share something? Like, is there a way in here? Or yeah, you can. If I drop share your screen, it okay. it should be let's fine. Some, sometimes Riverside's yeah. a pain when people share screens, but let's let's yeah, let's go. let's see what let's see what happens. I can, I can yeah. uh, let's see, see the share this. button at the bottom. I see the share button. I see the share button. I'm gonna I'm gonna tee this up right here, just so you can see a little bit of what I'm looking at. Boom! Here's this. Very exciting. Magic of editing. Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. Why not? Why not? Okay. Let's see. Let's see how. Let's see how this does. Oh no, my my full screen bit went away. Where'd that go? Oh, there we go. How about that? There we go. Uh, okay, wow. so, so, word on the board, 
and then kind of take the high fidelity version of that, right? Here's another example uh, where it's skull. That these is so these cool. were two. These were two that I put together, and then the idea is take that, turn them into these collectible trading cards, mm. and then so the cards themselves are going to be all the utility, right? All of the it's your access pass to games. It's hopefully collectible, tradable, that sort of thing. But at the same time, so all the cards are going to start, as you see on on the left here, in this kind of blueprint, kind of basic shell. And they will be upgrading over time. And each artist that is featured, this is like hopefully a nice way to, to stand up and support these artists. Every single artist that's that's featured, say we release one of these a day. We'll do a Twitter space with them. We'll do a blog post. Like, give them as yep. much of the spotlight and attention as we can. And then f in terms of artist revenue, the way we're planning on doing this, all these artists have have offered to design work for all these cards for us. Um, and I know that a lot of the, the kind of really pure artists in the NFT space have this uh, – they feel tremendous pressure when it comes to, like, oh, what's the utility my pieces are going to provide or that sort of thing. Well, all the utility will be baked into the card, but to help the artist kind of generate some revenue, we're also going to do a gallery version of these cards to where it's not like go back to just the like just the piece, right? We'll sell or auction off a gallery version of this. 100% of the proceeds are going to go to the artist. Like I, I don't want – I want to raise money for artists. I want to help artists sustain themselves, right? Yeah. And – with a distinct um, kind of prerequisite for these pieces that like these don't have utility. This is this is a gallery piece. This is buy this to support the artist. Um, and then all the utility will be, be baked into the card. So we're going to do kind of two separate collections basically running side by side. Um, mm -hmm. And that's 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 the direction we're headed with all this. That's the direction we're headed with all this. That's very so. cool. It It's clear. You can see the evolution from – from version one to version two, or, or from the, the phrase board to this this new concept, and I think it's smart. I think it's adding the collectability and the tradability. Is like I, I also like, I thought it was smart to not allow trading on the first version. Like it made a lot of sense, but it did. Yeah, uh, it, this also makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if we begin with this mindset of of trading in mind, what what's cool about it is, um, or one of the things that's cool about a think about like an access pass, but they're all unique. The fact that each card is its own word, we can run different game types to where we have one called heist. Um, and it's kind of like a micro version of what we were doing with the treasure hunt where we'll set up wallets and put small prizes in them and take the seed phrase words from that wallet. Say you're holding the word galaxy. And it was one of the seed phrase words. Uh, we can update metadata behind the scenes or private data in OpenSea just let you know that your word is in it and actually try and get people to collaborate and work together. So it's going to take a little bit of of tooling on our end to design game types that are more collaborative and less like every man for himself and things like that. But um, I, I like I like that challenge and I want to create things that people want to show up for and people want to like explore new artists or get exposed to new artists that they wouldn't have any other way. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. really really cool. Uh, I have a question on yeah, how do you sort of uh, or how are you approaching the issue of again these expert puzzle solving teams, you know, collecting a whole slew of these and winning every challenge? Very very good point. Uh, very good question. I don't um, in terms of limits and things like that. Haven't thought through 
that piece yet. I think uh, there are, well, actually there's, there's two more, two more big components here. One is, uh, there will be certain like multiple game types, right? So some game types, just having one card is one access pass and, and, you know, holding a dozen, it's not going to make a difference. So there will be some that if you hold multiple cards, you might have an edge over other people, but though you don't necessarily have to participate in each game type. So I want to kind of create that divide and say, okay, like puzzle maniacs or people who are like trying to game the system or, or, uh, collect, you know, mass cards. Sure. Go ahead. Here's game types that, that cater to you. And then for more casual people or, um, people that want to work together and try and create game types that are more like everyone wins at the end. It's, it's kind of like phrase versus everyone. Um, so I think by developing those different game types, um, we, there, there will be a little bit of something for everyone. One other thing that we're doing is, where's that card type? So the, the card on the, on the left here, this, this kind of blueprint model, I'm, I'm considering trying something and we haven't talked about this at all, but I'm so interested to get your take on this. Um, I've been taught. So the, the development team that helped me build phrase board is, is working with me again. And they're like, they went from like contract developer to like, they're my co-founders in, in this next leg, which is, which is so fun. Uh, they're really, really good people. And one of the things we talked about that I was surprised they were open to was we're going to take this blueprint version of the, of the card deck. And I'm going to take all the source files for the artwork. We're going to take the contract and we're going to release the whole thing as an open source project. So anyone that wants to stand up their own deck, like think about a generative artist to where, or an AI artist where you can take, like you could, you could crank out a deck a lot faster than, than we're going to, um, because of the way we're doing artist spotlights and all that. We want to do game types to where, if you have these cards, anyone can play with any set of cards that they're that they're playing around with. So, doing doing an open source model, um, I'm hoping continues. To, like I don't want revenue from it or anything like that. I just uh, we we built a pretty great contract. The, all the art and source files, like to be able to give someone a tool that they can take and if they like this concept in through this platform that we're building and all the game types, like to be able to allow people to stand up their own decks and things like that, or their own communities. Like for if Zen Academy wanted to take and say, okay, here's the artist within Zen Academy, give them each, you know, 50 cards or whatever, have them design it, have a complete Zen Academy deck. Like, I think that'd be a pretty cool thing. So hopefully people, yeah, hopefully people take and run with it, but we're going to provide all that like documentation and all the source files. Hopefully, do so in a way that doesn't feel like you know if it can't be a zip file. People are going to be worried. I'm yeah, trying to scam them. <laughs> so yeah, we got to find a way to say yeah safely get that to everyone. But that is one of the aspirations for this as well. So I know I think that's awesome. What I'm getting is that like a lot of what you're doing is it really leans into this whole composability and interoperability element or these two elements of of uh, really blockchain technology that make it so magnificent where anyone can come in and interact and create their own thing and you can you know interact with their creations or do stuff for their it's it's really fascinating and I love it and I think it's um, the nice. projects that I am most excited by generally are the ones that really lean into that uh, and yeah I think we have barely scratched the surface of that like imagine five years from now when there's 10 million people in the space and now all of a sudden there's these early building blocks that were created in 2021, 2022 
that people are doing mm-hmm. all sorts of crazy stuff with. It's it's just fun. It's just it's fun and exciting. It's the hope. I mean, really, I it was amazing when we ran the first phrase board because it really was like barely break even, right? And yeah, I had a, a, a lot of like pretty seasoned flippers and things like that would, would approach and be like, "Why? I don't understand why you did this." You know, like like I I don't know. I I love the art. I love the space. I love yeah. supporting anyone tinkering and building and trying like trying to do things with authenticity and I to be able to lean into that more and to have have bandwidth and runway to be able to do that like at least step up and take a swing and and see if this can attract um not just flippers but like seasoned collectors and and people that are like if we're peeling this out even at a a, a quicker cadence or cadence it could take a couple years to get a complete deck which is yeah which is not the kind of time scales we're used to seeing in this it space. really is but but i think the functionality will be there for the card so hopefully my my biggest fear is people look at it and and look at the fact that when this gets launched all these cards are going to look relatively uh the same uh even though they'll be functional mm. i don't want people to look at it and be like oh they were just doing like a slow reveal or anything like that it's like no no like this slow drip is the point. We want to we want to showcase these guys. We want to highlight these artists um, in a somewhat reasonable timescale. And we did that with the first phrase board. Like we revealed one clue a day, and people were like, at first, people were really itching. Like, come on, like I just finished this one. Let's give me more. But um, getting into that cadence and and showing people like, no, we're here to build. We're here to support and and be here long term. I it may not do well short term, but I think we'll we'll build momentum over time and. Uh, I just want to see how it goes. You know what I mean? I'm really excited for it. I think it's it's something special, something different. Like that's the the thing that always stands out to me is if someone's doing something that's not been done before, that's different. Like it's yeah, I love that, and I think it's like innovation is really what moves the space forward. And I think you've clearly got that in spades from the first project to this one. So um, very exciting. I want to uh, ask or like turn attention to the elephant in the room and you know, the topic of the week is creator royalties and I yes. just love to get your thoughts on, on the whole situation as an artist, as a project founder and creator that works with a lot of artists. Like what, what do you think about this whole discussion? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, man. I, I think you and I both, uh, when, when it blew up, uh, what thanks to pseudo swap making the move that they did, uh, I think that was the catalyst. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, when it blew up, my my gut reaction as an artist and as a creator was like, well, that's shit. You know, like, like man, I, I get it. But I know when I when I learned to write my first contract, um, I was actually kind of stunned because it's like, okay, cool. And this is the part where you write for royalties. And I had to have it explained to me like, well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of aspirational, though, because the marketplaces don't have to follow it. And it's like, wait, wait. I thought that was like part of the smart contract. Like, isn't that everyone has like, no, this, this moment where it's, it's like you realize you can't hard code royalties in the smart contract, and you're like, "But isn't that the whole point? Like, what isn't the, that the so so? Yeah. That was one of the things that we were sold on in the space. It feel any of the artist friends um, that I was working on to onboard into this, and and with Phraseboard, we had four different creators release their Genesis collection in concurrence with their Clue being released. So. And those, and in those conversations with those artists, like bringing them online, I was like, royalties forever. It's amazing. And they were like, okay, like I'm sold. And yeah. when all that, when all that kind of came under, uh, under the spotlight and it was like, well, maybe not. It was mm. like, oh, okay. Well, 
all right, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't sit well, but I get it. And and I read your post, which was fantastic. I think, um, I think you do you you had maybe like an maybe like skews all altruistic to where it's like people will do the right thing. It's like I yes <laughs> for the most part, but also if you think like percentage wise, when it was like a hundred percent before, even if twenty percent don't, people like established artists will hit it. But I'm not. It's not that I'm worried about the established artists. What what I was looking at, like as a creator, was like, okay, when it comes time to onboard new people, it's like, what are the selling? What are, what's the selling point to like come into yeah. the NFT space, right? And and the only two things that I really um, kind of circle back to that that makes sense at this point are, it is a, a truly global audience, right? Like when I back in 2012 when I did my piece a day project, I remember mm. thinking like, oh, this is so cool, like. I ended up in in those three years uh, shipping pieces to people in like 43 different countries and thought, this is so global. This is great. It's like, I mean, yeah, but it's people paying with with USD, right? Mm. And that was the limitation was was paying in and, you know, whatever currency and whatever exchange they were dealing with, right? To where yeah. in this space, it is truly like the the winning team member was from Greece, never would have met her. Never would have connected yeah. with her beyond this. Like, and the the number of artists, like we featured artists from uh, New York and Turkey and and all over the world, and that global community. To me, that's that's one of the biggest draws. And there is still, even though we're in a bear market, it feels like there's still a sizable amount of attention here. And I want to say, like, just through the projects that I do, this is still a space that celebrates exploration and experimentation in terms of things so um any artist who has has an established career niche in the, in the web 2 space um i am proof that you can kind of jump out of whatever you were pigeonholed into try new things and if if it resonates with the community it's celebrated so i was bummed to see the royalty thing happen i get why technically it's a, a limitation mm. um and i but I, I, I do have to say I don't um, I don't side with, you know, the short term flippers uh, who are just trying like in this bear. It did feel a little bit like, well, why now? Why is this mm. the thing now? And it's like, OK, I think I think the the people who are used to day trading this stuff, who who really um, they're seeing bags shrink or they're like, OK, Things aren't working the way they were. It's not as easy as it was before. Where can I skim a little off the top? The I know the artists are taking it personally. Yeah. Um, and I know any flipper that I talked to was like, well, it's not the artist. It's it's the big 10K projects. But from my point of view, everyone that was playing in the space up until like a week ago, the rules we were playing by, the thing we all accepted, the thing we all bought into was there's royalties for creators. and. Yeah. To, to all of a sudden change that on the fly, even if like a project made a lot of money or whatever, like, yeah, that's, I mean, that is what we all signed up for. Yeah. So I was a little salty about it. And, and, but I also, I think I agree with your sentiment that like, it's because it's possible to go to zero, it's probably going to zero. And I, I, everything that we're doing, like with, uh, Wordagami here, we were planning on like, okay, we're going to do secondary sales and, we'll set up a grant and we'll do a quarterly grant and fund and like, we'll mm. just use those funds to fund an artist. It's like, 
Well, I mean, now if I mean if they honor secondary sales, and maybe maybe this is just a blip in the radar, uh, but I think I I, I want to plan on it continuing to go to zero and yeah. tr- try and raise funds for artists and things like that. Otherwise, yeah, I think that's that's one of the most important things. It's now it's like it's always been a possibility that people could circumvent royalties. And but most projects weren't aware of it or weren't thinking about it or were just used to it, and so maybe their business model relied on it. And and it is really just smart to be proactively thinking about what happens if it goes to zero. Maybe it doesn't. And I'm yeah, I, I go back and forth. Like uh, the there's a side of me that goes, well, of course the 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 tra- traders are going to win out, and you know as long as there's a way to get an edge, people will find it and exploit it, and there'll be a race to the bottom. But I think there's you know. There will absolutely be pushback, both on a social level, but also on a technical level. And I've I've heard of several solutions already, or like quote unquote solutions. Sorry, I just hit my mic. Um, (laughs) And uh, sort of like you know, potentially you could release a collection, but have a like a a blacklist option, and say if if this collection cannot be traded on PseudoSwap, and then. Mm All of a sudden, you just you only allow approved marketplaces, or you don't allow certain, and that's never going to solve it. Like someone can still go over the counter and give their friend cash, and they transfer it. But I think mm-hmm. it might mitigate the majority. And then another marketplace pops up. But then if you can just blacklist that, it's like this cat and mouse game. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's a lot easier to blacklist a marketplace than it is to um, fork one and, and deploy contracts. It gets expensive and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is not my original idea. I've, I've heard a few people talk about it, but it's, um, mm. it is interesting. But I think different revenue models is certainly something to think about as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, we're due for all kinds of shakeups in this space, you know, like airdrops and merch drops. It, that, if we're still doing that five years from now, <laughs> God help us. You know, like I just, yeah, <laughs> it's true. That, I mean, that is like a decade in this space. So yeah, yeah if we're doing that a year from now, um, that 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 shouldn't be what convinces people to stay. Um, I think I think there's other ways to to bring value and to support artists and um, to continue to grow and expand. And and I'm open to exploring that. I mean, I think yeah. I think we need to uh, to keep this space healthy. So 100. Uh, yeah. percent Last thing I'll say on this is. Your point about you know convincing artists to join the space, or one of the selling points is oh royalties forever. On the weekend, I don't know if it was before this broke out or just after it, but I was just randomly scrolling YouTube on my TV and I found a video. It was like an anti NFT video. I was like, it was kind of neutral, but like largely anti NFT. I was talking about how all these mm-hmm. NFTs are terrible. Uh, I, I, I like the the presenter. He was fairly bi- uh, unbiased and and well reasoned. Mm-hmm. And he did say like he liked generative art NFTs and, and and there were some use cases, but then he said and the best part though is you can get perpetual royalty and I was like oh no, <laughs> it's it's yeah it's like it's, I mean it's a shame yeah I'll tell you it was one of the bigger drivers that that initially brought me into the space mm. and uh, I've got um, I've got two young kiddos. And I've been self-employed, independent creator for a very long time. Uh, also have some like shaky health stuff. And the promise or the allure of, hey, you can create something that that beneficiaries could mm-hmm. could yield yield something from in your absence. That was a very appealing prospect to me. And to see that removed, it's like, uh, OK, well, OK, so that. But then, like, you go like this, and then you go, okay, so another way then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
There'll be other ways. So it's, yeah, yeah. So that is, um, you know, this space is changing fast and this is one of the elements that's changing. So uh, I think things will settle in time. I think we'll reach some cultural norms and a a cadence to like what's accepted. And I think it will be different for different projects. So maybe for independent artists and creators, that is still a standard or a Mm -hmm. norm that, that we're okay with. But, um, but to, to that point, if that creator is no longer active, if, if it's a posthumous situation or something like that, like, is there incentive to continue rewarding them? It happens in the music industry, Mm. the established music industry, but we don't see it on the art side. Uh, there was a great documentary, The Price of Everything. Have you seen this yet? No, but I've heard about it. Like a lot of people talking okay. about it. Yeah. And there's a book they're going through in, in proof right now, the $12, the $12 million, million dollar sh- stuff shark. Stuff yeah. shark. And both of those, they, they cover artists who sold pieces for like, you know, a couple hundred dollars. They explode. And at secondary markets, those pieces end up selling for tens of thousands or even millions. Mm. And the original artist walks with, you know, like... They're like, great, like my work's famous, but I'm still in a studio apartment and struggling here. So the promise of of escaping that, um, I I liked that. And I would love to find a way to uh, celebrate and support or continue to kind of build norms around that. But uh, I understand that it's not enforceable, at least in in our current tech. Yeah, I it's a. It's a social contract. It's a cultural thing, you know. Pay your royalties. Tell your friends to pay your royalties. Tell newcomers to the space to pay their royalties. If we can do that, um, again, like I, I'm skeptical for these larger 10k projects that it will be a thing. But I'm, I'm optimistic, and I, I really believe that for like independent artists, for smaller collections, that's a culture that we can really keep forever. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's possible. But we got to be proactively thinking about it, which is, uh, yeah. Have have you had to switch? So with Zen Academy, I don't know what percentage of of um, secondary royalties was like factored into the things you were doing. But have have you like you're not a you're not a 10k project? It's almost, uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> we. But yeah. have you had to change it all? Yeah. So I've been actively thinking about this maybe for like three or four weeks. So before this all blew up, maybe because I'd heard a pseudo swap or just um, just thinking business things. Uh, I, I knew when we launched that we would get some revenue from secondary market royalties, but I, I never intended for that to be the only revenue source. And my idea was always, all right, so we're going to launch and then, well, so, so there's two parts to this. One is, you know, um, what if the floor price goes up really high for Zen Academy, but then someone wants to join? It's like, well, it's sort of anti- antithetical to the whole come and learn about NFTs, but you got to pay $4,000 for an NFT to do that. So I thought, well, maybe we'll have like a yearly membership option and or some other ways. And we obviously have the free option. Um, so I was already thinking about like a subscription model. And I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially for these like utility or membership based projects. Proof is three years and, mm. and maybe that they will, you know, I'm sure that Kevin and the team are thinking about ways to extend that and reward the existing holders. But it might be that after three years, you have to pay another two ETH to join. Is that that? You know, it's if the floor yep. price is 100 ETH and you're happy to pay that to keep your membership, but it's it's to give the team running costs and operating costs and that kind of stuff. So I think we'll see more models like that. Um, yeah, that and seems I mean, it seems inevitable. It I mean, does. it seems smart too. Yeah, yeah. and and I guess for, for us, I guess we're, we're actively thinking about completely outside revenue models to NFTs. So it's like doing advisory services, consulting, 
audits for contracts and just like there's a lot of stuff you can do in the space that's not selling nfts or relying on secondary market royalty but still brings money into the business and you can use that to help the nft holders um sure and pay people and, and all that kind of stuff as well so definitely thinking about it and look we have up, upcoming in the next six months we'll probably do a, a pfp drop that's something we're working towards and Nice. We're rethinking. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We're rethinking Amazing. the model because previously we we were baking in royalties as some part of that, but maybe now it's like maybe we go a higher mint price, but no royalties. Maybe we just decide to do zero, or maybe we go two percent instead of five or six or whatever we're going to go with. Um, maybe we withhold some supply. There's there's a lot of stuff, so we're definitely thinking about it. We haven't figured it out, but it's yeah, like we have been reliant on secondary market royalties up until now for some of those ongoing expenses and I recognize it's not sustainable. So pivoting is, yeah. is necessary. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense. Love it. Yeah. Love well, the insight, man. I could chat to you for hours and hours, but <laughs> we, we should probably wrap this up. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. is there anything else that we haven't touched on? You want to quickly get to, um, anything you want to talk about? Where can people find you? Uh, all that kind of good stuff. I'm on Twitter at phrase art. Um, and phrase with a Z or a Z P H R A Z E art. Yeah. Yes. We'll have a link and below. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And getting excited for this next release. That, that's really, that's it. And, and I love looking to what you have to say in the space. I love looking to the things you collect and the people you support. It's been, uh, you're, you're one of my favorite people in the space. Like there's, there's a few people that it's like, okay, well, but, but what does Ryan say about this? Okay, cool. Okay, let let's see let's see what the the next letter says. Um, no, I, I love the energy that you bring to the space, and I think you walk a nice balance between, um, I don't know, like long term trading, occasional degen trading. Like you, you've got you've got. <laughs> I'm your, not about degen. Yeah. No, no, I I don't think anyone should be. I don't think anyone should be above shit posting from time to time. Yeah. Like I love. There are some days you wake up and you choose violence, and um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's um so many people bring so much to this space, and I'm grateful that our paths have crossed, and and happy to support anything that you're doing, and and grateful for all the support that you've given to all the projects we've done so far. Right. So I appreciate that uh, so much. The feeling is very yeah. mutual. I'm grateful that paths across as well, and and I really respect you and appreciate what you're doing for the space. I think it's it's amazing. You're really shining that spotlight on creators, and it's not it's very uh, generous or altruistic, and it's not very it's not self serving and just like me 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 thing. It's 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 this whole. It's the true wag me, right? <laughs> wag me sent into it, a meme. It, it. But really, like the core <laughs> essence of this is we can all help each other and lift each other up, and we should. And yeah. A raising tide raises all boats or something like that, right? A hundred percent. Raising tide yeah. lifts all boats. So, lifts all boats. Yeah. That's the way. That's the but way. But a raising tide raises all boats. That's a good good note to end <laughs> on. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you for everyone for listening. This has been Zen Chats. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Zen Chats with Zenica. Please consider subscribing to the podcast so that you are notified of future episodes. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel for the video version of this episode. For even more podcasting fun, check out the other podcast I co-host, Two Board Apes. If you enjoy my content, please consider joining us at Zen Academy, a place where anyone, anywhere, at any level can learn about NFTs and Web3. All of the links are in the description below. I'll catch you next time.